You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast, featured on allhabs.net, brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadiens, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 249 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. And Rick, how are you doing today? Doing great. Happy St. Jean. Happy St. Jean to all of our listeners out there. A holiday weekend uh, in Quebec and uh, in Montreal. We've got a couple of weekends in a row here where uh, we'll have holidays, huh? Yeah, uh, one of uh, the perks, you know, you get those <laughs> back-to-back Fridays off. Uh, I'm not complaining whatsoever. We got Canada Day coming up next week, and that uh, kind of leads us right into the free agency day, too. So plenty of stuff to be excited about, and uh, having that extra day on the long weekend means I can focus just on everything hockey. And in between time, in between this weekend and next weekend, is, of course... The NHL entry draft, uh, which we've uh, we've been previewing, it seems for a number of weeks, um, but we're getting close. We're getting close to decision time for the Montreal Canadiens. In this episode, episode two forty nine of the Canadiens Connection, is called "Final Countdown: Draft Deals and Dubois." Yeah, all three things that we've been previewing for what seems like forever, but uh, plenty of fun things to talk about on this episode. We'll make sure that you're all up to date on everything Montreal Canadiens from the past week. Plus, we have some news and updates from around the league. In segment two, it's our big topic segment. We have some draft and some Dubois talk, uh, plenty to talk about in there, so you'll want to stick around for that. And in segment three, it's a have your say segment. Our Canadians Connection question of the week is, are you on the PLD train or not? <laughs> Rick, if people are interested in interacting with us and uh, letting us know their thoughts, what's the best way to do so? I've cleaned up our text uh, line. Um, we had tons of texts last week, uh, so it's plenty of room for you to text us at 5853-ROCKET. That's 5853-ROCKET. Or email us at hello at rocketsportsmedia.com. You can also reach out on social media and follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So this past week, we have two fascinating uh, stories that went down. Uh, Starting things off, Carey Price and his family left Montreal for their home in Kelowna, B.C. Sounds like Carey Price will be making frequent trips back to Montreal, though. 
Yeah, for sure. Now, it's not unusual uh, for uh, Carrie and Angela and family to go back to Kelowna for the summer, uh, but this move is a little more uh, a little more permanent as as we know that the prices put up their house for sale in Candiac um, about a month ago. Um, and so Angela put out a, uh, a post on Instagram uh, with the families uh, on the, the front steps of, of their home in the South Shore um, saying um, uh, almost a, a goodbye. It was kind of a tearful message and heartfelt message. And uh, uh, she said that uh, we'll be back often um, and back often so much that the prices are con- are considering uh, buying a uh house or condo in downtown Montreal because Kerry will be around uh, the team uh, in the fall. And and um, this shouldn't signal uh, retirement or anything like that. We know that, that Kerry still has uh, uh, contract time, time left on his contract. And, and uh, um, so he'll be around uh, for some time yet. Yeah. So good to know that Kerry's uh, going to be coming back and uh at an apartment in downtown Montreal sounds pretty awesome. So, uh, wishing him all the best with that. Uh, Pierre Luc Dubois was uh, photographed with Canadians players at the Grand Prix last weekend in Montreal for F1 Weekend. Uh, he was also photographed alongside Trevor Zegras, Jack Hughes, PK Subban was there, of course, but uh, a lot of focus on uh, Pierre Luc Dubois giving kind of a side hug to Cole Caulfield. Yeah, he's got that his arm around Cole Caulfield. He was also uh, photographed at uh, Saputo Stadium. Uh, he, he and David Savard uh, were at um, uh, the the CF Montreal game. Um, uh, CF Montreal won that game over Nashville, won nothing. Uh, arm around uh, David Savard. Of course, the two of them were teammates um, in Columbus. Uh, as far as Cole Caulfield, those two. Uh, are both clients of uh, Pat Brisson, and perhaps this was a bit of a charm offensive uh, to say, listen, I'm a good guy, I want to be in Montreal, see, I'm enjoying Montreal, and uh, I can be a good teammate to these guys as well. So we'll uh, talk a little bit more about PLD as we go along in this podcast. Uh, make sure you're checking out Habs Notepad, Habs Headlines, and feature articles throughout the busy offseason at thn.com slash Montreal. Some roster news, uh, Sean Monahan signed a one-year contract extension worth $1.985 million. I think this makes uh, a lot of sense for both sides. Uh, Monahan, unfortunately, was injured for the better part of last season, so he's going to look uh, to have a lot of opportunities in that top six and maybe reestablish himself as an NHLer. And uh, Montreal gets a really good player on a cheaper contract and uh, possibly someone they can flip out at the deadline. Yeah, and a player who um, seems uh, to want to be in Montreal. He had options. He was a pending uh, unrestricted free agent now. Um, given uh, his, his the last se- well, he, uh, last couple of seasons, his options were probably limited, and and um, I don't expect that he would have received any more than he received with uh, with the Canadians. Um, I thought it was interesting the the contract itself. $1.985 million with a performance bonus of $15,000, uh, which is more symbolic than anything else. Uh, uh, the cash wasn't necessarily important, um, but that p- performance bonus uh, f- uh, for if he plays at least 26 games, why is that important? Well, uh, last season he played 25 games, uh, mm-hmm. so he's hoping for 
um, a lot more than that. But um, he explained uh, to the to the media over a video conference uh, why he chose uh, to sign with Montreal, re-sign with Montreal. I really enjoyed my time in Montreal last year, and I think it obviously being cut short, being injured, I think uh, I felt like I owe it to myself to, to give it another shot in Montreal. I owe it to the fans, and I mean, I owe it to the organization. So he's betting on himself. Um, it, it sounds a little similar um, uh, with his, his press conference um, in August of 2022, um, but hopefully this year he stays uh, healthy, uh, betting on himself, and, and, and paying back uh, the, the organization who took a chance on him and paying back the fans who certainly uh, uh, came to support him pretty easily. Yeah, and I mentioned that uh, Monaghan likely has a lot of opportunities to play in Montreal's top six with a lot of younger players. And uh, we hear from uh, Monaghan on his thoughts about playing with a young lineup. Coming in and having the young guys and that energy and, and guys trying to get better every day and pushing each other, it was uh, real fun to be a part of. And I think uh, I really think I can help the team uh, get better every day. So it's, uh, it's an exciting time to be a Montreal Canadian. He mentioned that he was used to more of a, a veteran lineup, let's say, in uh, Calgary. So uh, coming to Montreal, having the, the, the young players with their energy was quite refreshing for him. He enjoyed it. Um, he can act as a mentor um, and, um, and maybe even mentor some, uh, some face-off help for Kirby Doc. But uh, he certainly seemed to uh, also enjoy playing with uh, Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. Yeah, and we mentioned that uh, he's been struggling with injuries, especially this last year, uh, only getting into 25 games. Well, we get to hear a little update from uh, Sean Monaghan himself on his recovery. I mean, I would say I'm as close to 100% as I have been in four or five years. So it's it's exciting, obviously, for me as a player. And I mean, getting the opportunity to come back is uh is is a big one for me so i mean i've been i've been back on the ice two three times a week and uh, i mean doing everything i need to do so i mean i'm uh i'm ready to i guess prove it to myself that i'm still a, a real good player in this league and i'm looking forward to the opportunity i mean to to show that to everybody now he dropped a bit of a nugget uh when he was talking about his health saying saying uh, quote when we speak to the media we always say we feel good um, so uh, yes, he's acknowledged that he said this before. Um, he's not yet hundred percent, but as you heard him say, he's close to hundred percent and, uh, he hasn't felt like that in a number of years. So he, we, we hope, and, and he hopes he can stay healthy, uh, for much longer, uh, through the season this year. So now we'll get to our Habs prospect report. This edition of the rocket report is brought to you by AHL.report. Your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. Starting things off, we have a little announcement from Hockey Canada. Uh, It looks like Ottawa will be hosting the 2025 IIHF World Junior Hockey Championships. This will be the first time they've hosted the event since 2009, and Canada did win a gold medal uh, for those who might remember that iconic Jordan Eberle overtime goal. Uh, honestly, I can still hear the play call in my <laughs> head. So uh, very excited that Ottawa is going to have this opportunity. Always fun when uh, the World Juniors comes back to Canada. And of course, that will take place 
Boxing Day uh, 2024 into, uh, I think it's January, January 5th or 6th of 2025. Uh, so keeping along with the theme of the World Juniors, uh, USA Hockey invited 44 players to the 2023 World Junior Summer Showcase, and this includes Canadians prospect uh, Lane Hudson. Uh, it'll be nice to see uh, Lane Hudson get another opportunity to play on the world stage. Uh, obviously, young defenseman, lots of offensive upside. This is a camp, a prep camp, uh, that uh, USA Hockey takes a look at uh, a group of players whom, who they may wish to bring uh, to, the, to the next World Juniors. Uh, this camp happens every year in Plymouth, Michigan. Uh, this one goes at the end of July into early August. Uh, and when you look at the, the 44 players, in addition to Lane Hudson, you see a lot of the draft-eligible players uh, there that uh, will be hearing their names, uh, Will Smith, Gabe Perot, um, and, uh, and Ryan Leonard and others. Uh, the, uh, Trey Augustine is, is another. Um, so they've announced their lineup. Lane Hudson will be there, and uh, Sweden has also announced uh, its lineup. They'll be at this uh, showcase as well, Canada and uh, Finland. We'll, we'll expect uh, to hear their lineups uh, in the next few days. Looking at the AHL, uh, the Calder Cup final has come to a conclusion. Uh, the Hershey Bears win the Calder Cup by defeating Coachella Valley Firebirds. Uh, they win the series uh, 4-3. It was a seven-game series, and boy, was this an exciting series to follow along with. Uh, Rick, I'll get you to give a little rundown on this. Hershey Bears, um, they're affiliated with Washington Capitals. They are the oldest uh, AHL franchise. Uh, Coachella Valley Firebirds, affiliated with Seattle, are the youngest, the newest mm-hmm. um, uh, franchise. Uh, it was a 2-3-2 format. Uh, every game of the first six games, the home team had won. That brought to a, a dramatic uh, Game 7 finish in, in, uh, in the desert, um, Palm Springs Desert, and, and uh, this game went um, two overtime uh, after the Seattle after the Coachella Valley Firebirds had an early lead, um, Hershey tied it up, brought it to overtime, and, and Mike Vecchioni uh, at the sixteen nineteen mark of the first overtime period uh, disappointed um, almost ten thousand fans, um, and uh, but this was the twelfth uh, Calder Cup for uh, the the. The, the franchise that is the Hershey Bears and uh, what a what an amazing um, what an amazing uh, uh, series it was I watched uh, all the games um, just a, a note and just an observation and um, uh, with with uh, Seattle uh, sending down Shane Wright to Coachella Valley uh, this was Shane Wright's likely his last game in the AHL but his last game of the season comes on June 21st, uh, unfortunately, the last game of the season for Yuri Slavkovsky. Remember at this time last year, we were doing Slavkovsky versus Wright comparisons. Oh <laughs> um, well, Yuri Slavkovsky's last game this season was January 15th. Uh, so an extra five months of experience there for uh, Shane Wright. And uh, we'll see how those two uh, compare and face off uh, next season. Uh, looking at some news that does affect the Montreal Canadiens organization, but this time at the CHL level, Marc-Andre Bergeron has left his position as Vice President of Hockey Operations and General Manager of the Trois-Rivières Lions. Uh, he initially joined the organization way back in 2019. 
Yeah, ECHL um, affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens is the Trois-Rivières Lions. They've uh, been part of the ECHL for the past two seasons and a little bit tumultuous, I I guess. Uh, They had a pretty good first season, eliminated in the first uh, round of the playoffs. This season, uh, they didn't make the playoffs. Uh, The bloom was off the rose there a little bit. Uh, Attendance had dropped uh, considerably. Um, and then you had a number of uh, defections, uh, let's call it. Um, back in November, uh, their head coach, Eric Belanger, resigned. Um, uh, he resigned on November 22nd, and nobody knew what was happening. The next day, he was hired uh, by Drummondville in the queue as their head coach. Um, so Marc-Andre Bergeron, um, who was the... The, the CEO and, and uh, VP of Hockey Operations, uh, moved down behind the bench and also added head coach, uh, interim head coach, uh, to his title. Um, then in March, uh, the president of, um, of Trois-Rivières Lions, Mark Waitman, uh, we knew him um, in his work with getting the uh, Laval rocket off the ground and Place Bell, um, he went to to be the president of the Trois Rivières Lions. He left in March to be the president of the Alouettes, so Trois Rivières was out without a president. And then this n- news about Marc Andre Bergeron leaving, uh, with his three portfolios out the door, no explanation. Um, and then Pascal Room, who was the assistant head coach, promoted as general manager and head coach. Um, I found it interesting in the news conference um, that uh, Pascal Rium said um, he had already he he had no knowledge of anything happening. Uh, there was no communication. He had already started to explore other opportunities uh, with uh, QMJHL teams, uh, and then this news came about um, Bergeron leaving and um, and him being promoted. So. Um, very dramatic events in Trois-Rivières, and, and hopefully they get that all solidified over the summer uh, for the start of their ser- third season in the fall. Yeah, Pascal Riome seems to have the weight of the world on his shoulders, being <laughs> the general manager and the head coach. Um, absolutely, it's going to be a busy season for him and uh, wishing him all the best. For sure. So you can find all our content about Canadians prospects at thn.com slash Montreal. Now it's time to take a look at our NHL entry draft news. Uh, Week to week, uh, we take a look at uh, some of the news and rankings that come out that are relevant to Canadians fans. And it looks like the final rankings and mocks have been released. Uh, Bob McKenzie uh, sent out his final list and Craig Button did his final mock draft. Uh, Bob has... uh, Matt Vey Michkov going at number five and Craig Button has Will Smith going at number five. It's, um, it's fascinating, um, very fascinating that, uh, um, well, at, at this time of year, you know, from, from both TSN and Sportsnet will have their final mocks out this week. Um, we're, we're getting all of the, uh, the rankings out and, and how uh, different they all are, e- even for, for those folks that are um, within the s- same network. Um, the top end of the draft is his, uh, um, more or less, uh, the consistent, but then, uh, you know, there's rankings all over the place. Um, we should mention as we did last year that for Bob McKenzie, his, his rankings are set uh, a little bit differently. Bob doesn't 
Bob doesn't hang out in, in the, the arenas evaluating prospects. Um, he uses what he does best. He has connections in the hockey world. Um, and he connects with uh, 10 NHL scouts, um, 10 teams in the NHL, their scouts, and, and he does a survey. He asks them to fill out a survey. Um, and he, that's how he prepares uh, his list. Um, so as you said, Connor Bedard, uh, Fantilli Carlson, Will Smith at four, Meechkoff at five. Not a mock. That's, that's, um, that's his rankings. Craig Button, uh, it is a mock. Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, Meechkoff going to San Jose at uh, number four, and Will Smith going to Montreal at five. So um, we're going we're gonna to do our own little scenarios, mocks, uh, in the second segment. Um, but you should know that there's a lot of variability out there uh, these days when it comes to um, talking about rankings and mocks. And uh, Rocket Sports will be in Nashville to watch all this drama unfold live. Uh, Mike Raschel, Chris G, and some of our uh, Rocket Sports readers are all going to be there to watch the draft, the first round and the two to seven rounds. So they'll be there to experience it all and uh, looking forward to hearing all their stories and uh, hope they all have a great time there. So we have two groups there. Uh, the first group, as you said, comprised with um, Mike and and a number of our, our um, readers and listeners to this podcast, uh, we put out a call that uh, if you wanted to go the graph, to this year's draft, we would make it happen. It's a partnership that we've had for a number of years, going back to uh, 2009 draft in Montreal, where we partner with the NHL to provide a, an experience for, um, for, for fans. Um, so Mike's going to be there organizing that. And Chris, uh, we, we got credentials uh, for Chris. Uh, so he's going to be giving a uh, behind-the-scenes look at what's happening and, and attending the scrums, and, and you'll hear from the prospects first. So you'll want to be sure that uh, you're going to listen to, subscribe and listen to this podcast for next week because we'll have a big uh, draft show, um, but also be following us um, on social media and following our coverage on uh, TSN, uh, uh, sorry, THN.com slash Montreal. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, honestly, the draft is something I look forward to almost every single year. Uh, personally, I won't be there in person, but uh, watching the drama unfold just on my TV will be uh, something unique to experience, especially with all the stuff going down with Michkov. And uh, like you said, Rick, uh, we'll get uh, a little bit more draft coverage in that second segment. Yeah. Uh, taking a look around the league for some uh, hockey news, the NHL has started to release their 2023-24 preseason schedules. Uh, the Canadians have not yet released theirs, but we're starting to see a little bit of clarity as to how it might unfold. Uh, Rick, do you have any details for us on this one? Well, um, the only details we have are looking at the schedules of other teams. Um, and this is being kind of uh, slowly rolled out by the NHL. But if you look on the uh, New Jersey Devils 2023-2024 preseason schedule, you see that a split squad of uh, Devils uh, on Monday, September 25th, uh, f- half the squad plays against the Philadelphia Flyers um, in New Jersey. The other half um, head up to Montreal and play the Canadians uh, at the Bell Centre. That's Monday, September 25th. Uh, a split squad, half of them at 7 p.m., will be playing the Montreal Canadiens, which uh, I think we can 
uh, assume uh, that the annual, the traditional red-white game, uh, which takes place on a Sunday before the preseason schedule opens, we can assume that it will go um, on Sunday, September 24th, the afternoon. Um, but we'll confirm all of these details next week. But that, that's two piece of, uh, pieces of information we can give you about the preseason schedule for next season. Uh, the Canadians' former forward Pierre Turgeon was elected to the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, I think this was very well deserved this past week. Uh, he's had over a thousand points throughout his career. Uh, Turgeon wasn't a Montreal Canadian for very, very long, but the time he was there, I think he was pretty fun to watch. Uh, also, heading to the Hockey Hall of Fame, uh, it's pretty goalie heavy. We have uh, Henrik Lundqvist, uh, Tom Barrasso, Mike Vernon, uh, Caroline Ouellette, Ken Hitchcock, and Pierre Lacroix. Uh, so big congrats to everyone uh, looking at this list. Uh, I think this is a pretty good uh, uh, group that's going to the Hall of Fame overall. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Rick? Yeah, if, um, we know that people are, are puzzled about some um, uh, of, of the inductions, um, but uh, I, as, as you said, I think uh, Pierre Turgeon is, uh, and, and partly representing the Montreal Canadiens is is a um, is is a good choice. Um, played just 104 games for the Canadians over parts of three years, um, but I think what I remember most uh, about Turgeon uh, was the closing uh, of the Montreal Forum and then opening of the the Molson Center, as the Bell Center was then uh, uh, called. And um, as captain uh, of the Canadians, he participated in that torch passing ceremony. Uh, with all the previous captains, uh, including the Rocket, at at that point, it was it was uh, uh, I'm sure uh, the most memorable event um, in Pierre Turgeon's career. Uh, I'll just mention because I know people think it's uh, it's a requirement. Um, <laughs> Pierre Turgeon um, he uh, did not win a Stanley Cup, um, and uh, he had only one individual award, that being the Lady Bing Trophy in the 92-93 season. Well, uh, Henry uh, Lundquist also did not win a Stanley Cup, but I think he's a pretty good Hall of Famer. I think he's a good first ballot guy to go in. Uh, like I said, uh, very goalie heavy this uh, year, and uh, this makes us wonder, once Gary Price retires from hockey, will he be inducted into the ho- Hockey Hall of Fame? I would, I would think yes, based on how good a career he had, although he didn't have any Stanley Cups. Uh, I'll get you to weigh in, Rick. Yeah, I, 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 this is called a debate. I don't think there's any debate. Of course, yeah. is the answer um, that uh, yeah, best goalie of his generation, uh, and that's 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 just fact. Uh, the individual awards that he won. Uh, remember, this is the Hockey Hall of Fame, not the NHL Hall of Fame. So the international um, uh, trophies that that he won representing Canada. Um, at the junior level, at, at the Olympics, and and uh, so I, yeah, he's he's not uh, not going to be retiring uh, yet. Uh, but when he does, um, we'll be happy for him, just like we are for Lundqvist. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a good spot to end segment one. Uh, coming up, we'll hear a brand new message from our sponsors at DraftKings, and then it's our big topic segment. Will we see draft week fireworks? Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. New customers download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. 
Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In partnership with Hollywood Casinos at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 and over in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10-plus leg requisite for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella, and you can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. With me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him on Twitter at Rocket Sports. You can also follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, check out the website CanadiansConnection.com. Just a reminder here to subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on your favorite podcasting app. So our final remarks on the NHL draft uh, are going to be in this segment as that draft comes up next week. And in the back half of the segment, uh, we have a very good interview uh, with one of uh, the Winnipeg uh, reporters, Marat Atesh, who's going to be interviewed by uh, Rick Stevens and Amy Johnson talking about uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. So plenty of fun stuff to come up here in this segment. To start, though, we will get our draft coverage in. So prior to the draft, the Canadians will meet with uh, prospects for the last time and one particular prospect for the very first time, a prospect that uh, they've not actually seen play live at this point, and that player is Matvey Michkov. Matvey uh, Michkov, after being very difficult for teams to get in touch with, is becoming a little bit more flexible. He's starting to meet with a few teams. There seems to be a little bit of a lack of info on this player, but uh, over the next little while, he will start uh, meeting up with some of those teams uh, picking within the top 10. Uh, I know Montreal is going to meet with them. It sounds like Columbus already has a meeting scheduled with him as well. Uh, Rick, <laughs> do you have any other notes that uh, you can provide on Matvey Michkov? Yeah, I think he's now expanded uh, his list and and we said that was uh, what we were hearing was that his handlers were pretty uh, careful, but uh, the the reins have been uh, released, I guess, and he's going to meet with, I think, every player, uh, with probably the exception of Chicago, in the top ten, uh, who who may have an opportunity um, to draft him. We hear that uh, that the Flyers will will interview him. Uh, that the Capitals will interview him. Undoubtedly, the Canadians will uh, interview him. And and it's going to be really interything because uh, the, the Canadians are known for 
uh, tough interviews. Uh, they don't they they don't start the meeting with the usual pleasantries and introductions and uh, welcome. We're happy to meet you. They get in uh, quickly, um, and uh, they're they're known not to be gentle with prospects. And we we saw that with you know some some prospects can handle it and some uh, not so much. I think Shane Wright had a very difficult uh, interview with the Canadians. Um, and we know that, well, at least we're told that Michkov has uh, a little bit of cockiness, a little bit of arrogant attitude. Um, he, he's not afraid to chirp his teammates, his especially his veteran teammates, if um, things aren't going the way he wants. So it's, it's going to be interesting um, if, we, if we ever find out how Michkov's brash personality um, meshes or collides with uh, the, the Canadians interviewing uh, techniques here. Uh, and, um, you know, what, what that's going to mean, um, we, we really don't know. Um, the other part of it, I think, the other piece of information, um, we remember it back to the Combine with Kent Hughes saying, listen, we know that he's, he has a contract for three years in the KHL, who knows? There's nothing stopping him from uh, signing a second contract. So he's, you know, um, that puts him further out of reach. Um, uh, there was a picture on the Instagram of Matt Vemichkov released um, of him standing in New York City. And uh, I, I, the, the attitude uh, that comes out of that picture, I don't think there's any question uh, that, 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 the NHL is where he wants to be, um, and he wants the opportunity to prove himself uh, as the best player in this draft. And uh, so I don't know that, uh, that that's such a worry. Maybe it was a bluff. We've heard that before, but I don't think there's, uh, there's much of a worry from Michkov's perspective uh, that he wants to be in the NHL. One thing I do wonder about his interview with Montreal is what kind of animal is he? That's <laughs> that's my main question here. But uh, nonetheless, getting a little bit more back on the topic, uh, there are, have been several reports that Kent Hughes has been particularly active uh, in the week leading up to the draft. Uh, it seems like he's someone that's exploring all his different options, moving up, moving back, uh, potentially trading. Um He's he's pretty aggressive, um, and it seems like he's also kind of muddied the water as to what he might want to do with that Montreal draft pick at number five. Uh, so leading up to this draft, uh, what what else uh, can we say about Ken Hughes? Well, um, yes, um, and this is coming from from outside of Montreal sources that we're hearing from other teams that they have have been uh, contacted by Kent Hughes and and. Uh, been presented with with uh, trading trade options, uh, so and and those options are are numerous. As you said, uh, it's on one hand it sounds like uh, Ken Hughes wants to trade up, and we we heard uh, we explained that last week, uh, and now we're hearing he's equally interested in trading down. We're interested. We're hearing that 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 there's there's trade options. So uh, I think. I think because the Canadians are not at the top of the draft, um, that that they want to control the situation and give themselves a, a, as many options um, as as they can based on who's chosen in front of them. Um, and Hughes has been making calls all over uh, the NHL. I think 
it, it also, um, it was Darren Drager who said that, uh, that, that the, the conversations to move up in the draft have kind of stalled. Um, they can either be stalled or they can just be put on hold. I think it, once you gather the information, um, you know, the kinds of trades that, that Kent Hughes is talking about with respect to the draft aren't going to happen until draft day anyways. So once, once he gathers that information, um, he has it and there's no need to go further. The other issue is that, um, you know, it's going to take all the general managers being in Nashville before things will start to happen. And, you know, this past week has been kind of quiet, but today things are starting to happen. And we saw a trade already today, that is Saturday, um, where Nashville, and that's incoming general manager Barry Trotz, um, he acquired uh, a forward that we know a fair bit about. <laughs> That's Alex Galchenyuk in exchange for forward Ryan Johansson, who goes off to the Colorado Avalanche. The Avalanche uh, only having to pick up half of his $8 million salary. Uh, Nashville retains um, 50%. So uh, things are starting to happen, and, and we expect there'll be more trades as uh, as the deadline, as there's a deadline of sorts uh, with the draft coming up, and um, as uh, as general managers are in the, the same um, location, and and uh, remember, the awards, the NHL awards are on Monday, so um, the 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 groups are there uh, early, um, and uh, and we're going to start to see some action, I think. Yeah, with that uh, Nashville trade, it really does feel like they are trying to clear up some cap space. I think Johansson is still a pretty useful player, so I'm surprised that they're essentially trading him for nothing because Galchenyuk is going to be a UFA this summer. Maybe in 2016, uh, Johansson for Galchenyuk would have been an amazing trade. <laughs> You'd be super excited about it. Uh, nowadays, definitely just a cash dump, so you got to wonder what the next move is there for Nashville. But uh, coming back to the draft in uh, Montreal, uh, preparing a, a mock NHL draft is typically a tricky thing to do. Uh, this year, it's actually much more difficult with the whole uh, Michkov situation. So Rick, you and I, we took a few moments to put together two different mocks uh, to prepare for a couple different scenarios here. Uh, the first scenario is going to be is is uh, Michkov still being on the table at five. The second scenario will be Michkov not being on the table at number five. Uh, so uh, we will start off, uh, I guess, but we'll start off with our first three picks uh, here for the scenario in which uh, Michkov is not been selected. And uh, then we'll take a look at our other scenario. And uh, I think we kind of agree on what uh, the top three look like, Rick. I think number one, you and I agree, Bedard, uh, yeah, I think I think we're fine with that. <laughs> yeah, Connor Bedard to Chicago. At number two, Fantilli. I, I think that's fair. To Anaheim, uh-huh. Yeah, uh, number three, uh, it could start to look a little bit more gray, but I have a Leo Carlson to Columbus. Good fit with the Blue Jackets. Yeah, and uh, number four is where things start to get interesting with the San Jose Sharks. I think that San Jose is the first team, at least in my mind, that could have interest in bringing in a uh, Matt Vay-Michkov. Um, so in the scenario in which uh, they do not pick Michkov, I have them picking Will Smith. What do you have them doing? Yeah, it's um, it, it's really um, interesting um, because... 
with the San Jose Sharks, you have uh, first-time uh, GM Mike Greer, um, and and it, there's no history to to kind of examine. Um, he's he's kind of said both both things. He said he wants a turnaround as quick as possible. So you think, oh, gee, that doesn't sound like Michkov. And then he says, we're not going to rush into anything for a short-term <laughs> gain. So maybe it's Michkov. Um, and, and uh, you know, does, does Mike Greer want to make a, a splash with, with a, a player who's kind of a foundational offensive talent or, um, or, and, and have to wait for him or, or want to impress his, his owners and bring in a player who's going to help right away? So... Um, yes, I think that uh, if if they leave Michkov on the table, Will Smith is is the pick uh, for San Jose. Yeah, I agree. So when we get to that number five pick and Michkov is still on the table, that doesn't necessarily mean that Montreal has to pick him, right? There are still plenty of other players available. You know, you have your Ryan Leonard's, you have your Dvorsky's, you have your uh, Ryan Backer, plenty of other guys that uh, I'm not, I've not mentioned either. But uh, I'll get you to start this one off. So you're, you're picking number five, your Montreal, Michkov is on the table. What are you doing, Rick? Um, personally, I, I might do something different, d- different, but I think that the Montreal Canadiens are going to pass on Michkov. Um, and, and I say that not because of, of, uh, the, the talent level, which is, which is obvious. Um, but it's just, I don't know that he fits, uh, the whole aspect of, of the ca- type of character player, uh, that they are looking for. Um, and, and the unknowns, I, I don't know that, um, um, Kent Hughes would go through such a charade to discourage people. Um, is, is, is was he bluffing that much? I, I don't know. Um, so if, if the Will Smith is gone, if they pass on Meechkoff, um, then the names that we hear attached to the Montreal Canadiens, um, the most, are David Reinbacker and Ryan Leonard. Uh, Ryan Leonard was referenced uh, by Kent Hughes, talked about him in the same vein as the Kachuks and the kind of player that, that he is, the uh, physical player, the uh, compete level that he has. Um, I really feel that David Reinbacker is still, um, there are um, folks in, there are scouts, and uh, Jeff Gorton, uh, who are probably pushing for David Reinbacker um, just as as uh, the most complete defenseman and and the most NHL ready defenseman in the draft, a right-handed defenseman, um, and those being so hard to get. I think there's going to be a debate, um, and probably right up into the end, uh, a debate between Reinbacker and Ryan Leonard. Um, my thought is that. Uh, the folks that are pushing Ryan Backer are going to win out. So I agree that this will probably go right up until the end and there will be plenty of debates, but I actually went a different direction and I do see Montreal taking a Michkov at number five. If everything we're being told about Michkov is true and assuming that the interview with Michkov as well and Michkov doesn't, you know, tell them don't draft me or something along those lines. I really think that that's, the player that you have to take. I do think the talent might be just too good to, to pass up on. 
obviously there's a risk. There's uh, the three-year KHL contract. There's no guarantee that you would come to the NHL afterwards, of course. But uh, I just I see that uh, the talent is just too good, and uh, I, I would still take Muchkov at number five if he is available. And I I completely agree that that's that's possible to happen. Um, you know, tantalizing uh, talent and. You know, if you put him in, um, you know, the, the, the player who can light up the Bell Centre um, on a regular basis, the Canadians haven't had that kind of player for a very, very, very long time. And how can you pass on him? Yeah, and uh, like I said, this might not be a slam dunk. Uh, there's going to be a risk there no matter what, uh, but uh, I, I do think that that's a risk that I personally would take. We'll see whether or not Montreal feels the same, but... Uh, Sorry. So if 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 um, San Jose does take uh, Michkov, uh, then I think we're agreed that it's it's a Will Smith. Yeah, I agree that it would be Will Smith. I think that he had a really good showing recently. I think there's a lot of hype about this player, and there's that relationship with Kent Hughes that's already established. So I think that that's too good a fit for Montreal to pass up on. He's he's an elite playmaking center. Um, and and a Will Smith, uh, Nick Suzuki down the middle, your top two in whatever order they turn out to be. Um, that that's that's pretty impressive. He just um, he has that ability, and we saw that with the U.S. Uh, National Development Program that he makes the players around him better. Um, he 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 performs plays at speed. He's um, I th- I think there's are there some some things that he has to improve yeah i think so his his uh compete level his attention to defense um and and maybe even shooting the puck a little bit more but he is uh an elite player and and as you said he already um has a connection uh with kent hughes kent hughes knows his family um and i think that that plays uh into it um so take it from us that the Canadians will pick Will Smith, Matt Vemichkov, David Reinbacker, or Ryan Leonard, and, and I and I think that's I, I mean you might laugh, but I think that's that's fair. I I think the Montreal Canadiens have done an excellent job both last season and this season, not letting anybody anybody know what in the world they're going to do uh, with their pick. They put out enough flares, enough smoke screens. Um, to be to to take um, fans and the media in one direction or another, but I think they've kept. Uh, if they have leanings at this point, I think they've kept them uh, very quiet, and um, which makes which makes our job more difficult. But I think for fans, um, it 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 keeps the interest right up until the the moment that they pick uh, with the fifth overall pick uh, at the draft. Yeah, absolutely. And who could forget what happened at last year's draft? I'm pretty sure everyone at the Bell Center was anticipating that Montreal would go up on stage and select Shane Wright with that first overall pick. You saw the Shane Wright uh, Montreal jerseys everywhere. Uh, you, You saw that he got the biggest cheer when he walked out onto the red carpet. I think that the one thing, if anything, uh, the one good thing that Montreal has done is put up the smoke and mirrors and not really let you have any idea of which direction they might be going in. And so there might be a surprise, there might be cheers, there might be gasps, as there were uh, in the Bell Centre last year. 
Um, <laughs> but I, I think um, for now, uh, I think the majority of Canadians fans are trusting uh, the Kent Hughes, Jeff Gordon tandem um, to, to make the best decision. And uh, I guess uh, the other big thing that uh, could be coming up in the next week or so, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and this could happen at the draft, this could happen before, this could happen after, um, even in free agency, we don't really know at this point, but uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois has grabbed the attention of Canadians fans and uh, will uh, likely hold until a trade is made. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois has asked uh, for a trade out of uh, the Winnipeg Jets. I think that's pretty obvious, and uh, a lot of people are making that connection between Pierre-Luc Dubois and Montreal. Uh, The good thing is, though, uh, that uh, both Rick Stevens and Amy Johnson had a chance to catch up with a Winnipeg Jets reporter from The Athletic, uh, Marat Atesh, to talk about uh, the whole Pierre-Luc Dubois situation and the potential trade uh, from the, the Jets from the Jets' perspective. As we get closer and closer to the first round of the draft, uh, of course, trade speculation is heating up for Montreal Canadiens fans. That means one big name in particular, and that's Pierre-Luc Dubois. And so, Rick, it is my pleasure to welcome to the show for the first time uh, a, a terrific writer who covers Pierre-Luc Dubois and the Winnipeg Jets uh, for The Athletic. He's the Winnipeg Jets beat writer for The Athletic. His name is Murat Atesh, and we are very pleased to have him join us on the show today. Murat, welcome. Thank you so kindly, Amy. I'm excited for this. (laughs) Well, I'm going to first ask you um, to kind of put us in the seat of of the fan base in Winnipeg and and what, what are the adjectives that you think would be most apt to describe the fan base, you know, going from really flying high in January, making a really big push uh, to kind of crashing down into that early playoff exit and now facing some really franchise trade changing uh, trade possibilities. Pierre-Luc Dubois, Wheeler, Hellebuck, maybe even even throwing Shifley in there. You know, are, are Jets fans kind of shell-shocked? Are they in kind of a how did we get here <laughs> kind of kind of feeling? I mean, if you'll permit, uh, you know, the a little bit of history here. Um, I'm a big believer that that emotions or satisfaction. It's it's a big comparison between what you expected to happen and what actually happened. And if it's better than you expected, great. If it's not, but a year ago at this time, Winnipeg hired Rick Bonus to be their coach, and it surprised a lot of people. They'd held out hope that it was going to be Barry Trotz, who's from Manitoba, and he was going to come in and be a savior. When it was anybody but him, everybody in Winnipeg was like, oh, well, that's anticlimactic. Well, I guess, okay, so what? Now they're going to run the roster back. We can't possibly make the playoffs um, because they had missed a year ago as well. And then November hits. And Bonus has them playing well. Mark Shifley saying wonderful things about the about the coaching and the communication. Blake Wheeler uh, doesn't have the captaincy anymore, and it's seen as a leadership change. He's playing really well. Pierre-Luc Dubois is playing like a first-line center from October, November, December, and into the top of January as well. And Winnipeg's at the top of the Western Conference standings. Everybody's talking about the bonusance, like this idea that he's completely revitalized the team. And then roughly middle of January, ironically, for our purposes, because we'll be talking about Dubois, 
roughly the trip that comes to Montreal, Dubois announcing his foundation, Winnipeg takes a two-month nosedive. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the confirmation for a lot of fans of their worst fears before the season began. And having had that high of November, December, January, it probably hurt more because there was some expectation of struggle heading into the season to go into those playoffs and you know give Vegas a good fight, but then completely fall apart in Game 5. I think a lot of fans had been afraid of that kind of desperate or devastation for a while. And to run that into all these roster rumors, there is a definite angst amongst the fan base who wants change. They don't know what form it's going to come in. They're expecting big names gone, and they're just hoping for the best. I wonder if you can talk about Winnipeg um, as, as an NHL city. And um, I have a little bit of an experience. I was uh, in Winnipeg and attending games uh, during at the Winnipeg Arena, just 1.0. Um, and for me, I always found it at one of the great hockey towns in the NHL. Um, the atmosphere, particularly in the playoffs, um, was, I mean, a smaller building, but every, every bit equivalent to the Bell Center. And, um, you know, I always think back to Tamo Solani and, and, and him saying, and he said it many times, that uh, in Winnipeg, if you treat people well and you play well, you're going to be treated as a king. Um, and, and is that... I guess, still hold today, irrespective of of the folks that have said they want to leave the organization? Honestly, I think that the culture is the same in the city. If you can show people from Winnipeg, just like you said, that like that you that you love it, that you love the city, that you appreciate that it may not be, you know, as glamorous as a New York or a Paris or a London or let's even say Montreal or Toronto and especially if you can get a dig in at Toronto while you're talking about it, you know, that's endearing. Like there's there's a grittiness to a Winnipeg fan. There's an acceptance that like, hey, there, you have to get to know this city and its people to, to fall in love with it. And if you show the effort, well, then, hey, we're going to find you and we're going to see you and we're going to celebrate you. And I think that that's the case for the greats that stay Um, When Blake Wheeler chose Winnipeg for two long contracts, I think he became the real face of the franchise at that point. Guys like Mark Scheifele at the moment that he extended for a really long term. And the hope was always that it was going to be, you know, Patrick Laine as well, because he was so effusive about his praise for Winnipeg. Um, And then Pierre-Luc Dubois, okay, well, his dad coaches for the Moose. Maybe he'll stay if you don't, if you don't find a way to celebrate the city and if you do expedite your exit, well, yeah, they may turn on you as well. That's real. So it seems that that divorce is is underway between the fans and Pierre-Luc Dubois. At this point, for whatever reason, he's made his um, his intentions known that he'd like to go to a, a big market uh, team. Um, it seems as if the charm offensive is, is, is underway and, and we see Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, all over Montreal, uh, or uh, photographed all over Montreal um, at the F1, the Canadian Grand Prix with Cole Caulfield. Cole Caulfield, another um, um, client of uh, uh, Pat Brisson. Uh, we saw him at uh, the Saputo Stadium um, with uh, CF Montreal, uh, with David Savard, and of course those two played together in Columbus. Um, and, and it's almost like Pierre-Luc Dubois is saying... You know, yes, maybe there was a problem and maybe a problem in the dressing room in Winnipeg, but it's not me. Look at me. I I can be a good teammate. Is is that um, is is that fair to say? 
I'm not sure that I would take it all of the way to comparing it to Winnipeg and saying like, hey, look, I'm great. But, you know, in terms of maybe trying to nudge the Montreal ambassadorship along, um, you know, being a part of the community, I could see some of that. I also want to leave room, though, for him being a young man doing fun stuff. And <laughs> yeah, that's true. I know, like, I don't know what his relationship with Cole Caulfield is, but David Savard, I've been told many times that they're amongst, you know, the closest friends and they, they were particularly close during their days in Columbus. And that just seems like, hey, that's my buddy. I'm going to go do something with him. The Caulfield thing is a little bit interesting and I can understand why fans might get excited or why it might get to that sort of discussion. Um, and the, the truth is, I don't know. Um, but it makes sense to me that even when, you know, as Elliot Friedman reported on Friday that, you know, Winnipeg is hoping they'll reduce it to two or three teams, this list of five or six teams of destinations, even though I'm certain Montreal is going to remain on that, it's going to be at the top of um, or near the top of Pierre-Luc Dubois' hopes. There's real love between him and the city. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to take that leap and say that it's about creating the I'm a great teammate vibe. Um, but maybe you guys know better because you're around it and you've seen fans response to it. If it's having a really marked difference in, in their impact, and maybe I'm just being cynical. <laughs> um, so that's, that's the off ice stuff. Let, let's talk about on ice, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois on ice and, and the season that, that he had with the Jets. And a couple minutes ago, you said that, um, that for October, November, December, and maybe even part of January, um, half the season almost, he was looking like a number one center. Um, and then, as we know, things kind of fell off and, and, and he wasn't the same player uh, in, this, in this, the next half of the season, finishing the season with 63 points. Um, and then the playoffs was a whole different thing. Uh, started like gangbusters in game one. And then uh, I think I read you said that uh, he was a ghost in, in game five. He, he declined through that series against Vegas as well. So, um, can you take us, us through uh, his his what what appears to be his last season with the Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, it it really does have some ebbs and flows to it, and I think that you know wherever you are, you want to know what kind of player this guy is. Especially you know the shift in Columbus, you, people hear about him quitting. Well, does he still do that? All that sort of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for Winnipeg this season, first four months. Um, all of the strengths were there and shining. Big, impossible to knock off the puck when he's stubborn about it. Uh, using his speed because he moves well up the wing. Tough to knock off the puck along the boards. Tough to even catch for some um, for some defenders. When he can turn the corner even a little bit, get the hip or get the shoulder of a defender, it's done. That puck's getting to the net. And you saw that for uh, for four straight months there. The other thing that he had going for him was chemistry with Kyle Connor. And Connor is more of a, a, a sniper, jumps into space at the right time. And they had some really unique moments where Dubois would clear the path and then just drop the puck and he'd find Kyle Connor and the, the chemistry was there that he'd be in a dangerous spot. You saw that in game one against Vegas as well. Um, for a really important goal. And then Dubois scores minutes later as well. And okay, he put his stamp on the series. Um, 
When you look at the second half of the regular season, though, that little swoon uh, that was for Dubois a couple of months long, the production went away. He wasn't scoring. He wasn't bulldozing through people. Um, the physical impact wasn't there. When a guy that's that big and has shown you that physical dominance for, for such a long stretch of time um, starts to fall off the score sheet and doesn't impose his will physically on a game, you wonder about, okay, well, has... Uh, have the rigors of the season caught up with him? Is his body flagging? Is he in, is he unable at this point in his career to be consistent enough? Um, is this an injury? Is he coasting on his laurels? Like, does everybody in Winnipeg believe they're going to coast to number one in the Western Conference? All of those sorts of things. I don't really know the internal answer to that, though I think that he did talk about having some bumps and bruises towards the stretch. I just can say... He was a number one line center by eye and by metrics for half the season. He was maybe a third line center for two months. And then right before those playoffs began, he really ramped it up again for a few games. Game one was phenomenal. And then he was one of many ghosts by game five as Mark Stone and Chandler Stevenson stole puck after puck from him and Connor and went the other way and scored. So uh, lots of ebbs and flows there. Yeah, you talked about that last game, and 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 many of the Jets weren't very good in that last game. But I think the word you used was awful for um, Connor and Dubois. What basically passengers watching uh, the first two goals that Vegas scored in, in that in that uh, game five? Yeah, it was a it was a dramatic game. Winnipeg certainly, like they were starting it without Shifley, without Morrissey, the injuries had piled up and you could tell there were nerves. It might have been the first shift, it was definitely within the first couple of minutes where Neil Pionk fires a hand grenade to Brendan Dillon, he fires a grenade up the wall and you'd hope um, because they're in the picture that Dubois and Connor are going to win that puck or at least get into a defensive position if they don't and Stone takes it and it's an early goal against uh, the Winnipeg Jets. And you see Dubois and Connor sort of coasting back into the picture. It was just not, it was a, it was a moment that they did not meet. And then Winnipeg never found its game until the third. And you just wish that those guys who had the ability could have found a way to do more and do better. And, and that day they definitely did not. So let's talk for a moment because, you know, the draft is is mere days away. Um, and, of course, free agency kicking in not too awful long after that. In terms of a trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois, what do you feel the timing is likely to be? Do you, do you believe this trade is going to happen kind of before and or during the draft? Yeah, I, I think that we're expecting it before the draft. Um, you know, if it were to happen during, it would be because it went to the wire. I really think that Kevin Sheveldayoff and the Winnipeg Jets want to have their business taken care of before the first round of Nashville. And the sense I've gotten, though it's just a sense, it's not, uh, it's not a fact, is that there's optimism that it's going to happen. Uh, you saw that Winnipeg didn't file for arbitration with Dubois. They're not protected against an offer sheet just at the second. You know, we'll see what happens between now and July 1. But I think that the plan and the expectation is that a trade takes place before the draft. You um, you talked about um, that in one of your recent articles that uh, Winnipeg has to win this Dubois tra- trade and, and not... I think you clarified not to the point of, of fleecing uh, the other team, uh, but but they have to do well, and and part of it is because of the price they paid in Patrick Lina and and Jack Roslovic to get um, Dubois in the first place. 
Um, but also that that it it uh, as you said this is this is going to probably happen before the draft, so it kind of sets the tone for uh, maybe the rest of the moves. Um, the the destinations, um, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, your colleague at, at the Athletic Arpin Basu said there was perhaps five or six teams um, in the sweepstakes. Um, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, Elliot Friedman. Uh, said maybe that list is going to be paired to two or three teams. Um, we're we're assuming that uh, Los Angeles and Montreal are are the front runners. Can you f- talk about those teams and and their strengths um, for a trade with Winnipeg, and then um, and then maybe some of the other teams uh, that will be involved? Yeah, Rick, I, I appreciate the the your explanation of what I mean by winning as well because. I believe a trade can be won by both teams, and I think that a team receiving Pierre-Luc Dubois is probably getting the best player and therefore winning by the most conventional definition. If you're the Winnipeg Jets, though, winning a Pierre-Luc Dubois trade means that when you look back in three or four years, you have a player on your roster still who is making an impact for you in a winning way. And... Winnipeg is slightly painted into a corner. Everybody knows that they have a quality asset. If they can't come out of this trade with a good young player who makes an impact on their attempt to win, because the Jets continue to, at least my sense is, push for this idea of a retool. We're going to try to compete for a playoff spot. We'll see if we can get it. And if we go on a run, great. Um, I don't think they're looking to turn this into a complete rebuild. Um, To that effect... I think Los Angeles probably has more of a diversity of assets to trade for Dubois, by which I mean, if I'm Montreal and Winnipeg is asking me for Kirby Doc, I look at the season that Doc just had, the chance that we just took on him by trading for him last year, and think, well, hey, this guy's actually a big part of our future. Maybe the moment we traded for him, we'd consider have moving, we would have considered moving him, but now... We took a bet, we made a gamble, and he hit. Like That seems like a line that I wouldn't necessarily cross if I were Montreal. If you go above that, I mean, then Suzuki, Caulfield, that would be a joke, right? Um, below that tier, though, I haven't been able to look at Montreal's assets and find an ideal fit where Winnipeg ends up with a quality young player that helps them for a long time because I don't see Christian Dvorak or Josh Anderson, these players that you often hear Montreal trade rumors about, um, satisfying Shevel Day off or making a major impact, even if they help the cap dollars work. In Los Angeles, they have a restricted free agent center slash wing named Gabriel Velarde, who's coming into his own, but he hasn't absolutely dominated yet. They're concerned maybe, okay, well, he's had some injury trouble, but gosh, is he a smart two-way player? He has good hands around the net, uh, and they've got a little bit of a, of a cap situation there, which I can solve when you look at Cap Friendly or Puckpedia with Alex Iafalo or what have you. It sort of works. Um, I've heard folks talk about Quinton Byfield, I think that's out of the question, but Sean Dursey, other young players who LA might be more willing to part with than Montreal should be willing to part with a guy like Kirby Doc, who I keep coming back to as an ideal return. Um, those are the my that's my view on the two front runners. Beyond that, I'm looking at teams with needs down the middle and a win mentality, Colorado if it's short term, Boston if everything goes to heck there and you know, Bergeron and Krejci, but I don't think they can make a cap. 
the New York Rangers are another team that I think about. But LA and Montreal, as far as I can tell, to uh, the two most interested parties. And uh, I think it's an important point because you you see a lot on um, social media, especially that uh, let's send the Jets. Uh, Christian Dvorak and, and Yoel Armia. Didn't he play there? Let's get him back there. Uh, and, and these spare parts that, that fans typically, tip, typically talk about are, are not going to get a trade like that done. The, the Jets are going to want, as you said, uh, good young players, cost control kind of players, and, and players who are going to be important for uh, their future. Kirby Doc, as you said, seems to... Um, you know, the, the Jets potentially are losing a first and uh, second line center so that would seem to fit um uh, velarde and and byfield although that seems to be a bit of a reach would would fit as well um the kings i think are are really interesting not only with luke robitaille there but with mark bergevin there uh and of course canadians fans remember uh, that 2016 draft in buffalo uh <laughs> where mark bergevin was basically on his hands and knees yes. uh in, with uh, yarmo like in ba- begging uh, for either the the uh, Vancouver trade that he had set up or the Edmonton trade set up so that the Canadians could draft uh, Dubois. Um, it's, I, I guess, um, if you talk a little bit about, um, we, we know that, that Kent Hughes has been patient in the trades that he's had so far, but uh, is there a more patient general manager than Kevin Shoveldayoff uh, in in taking one of these really difficult situations where he's up against the wall and turning it into something for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, it's unfortunate that Kevin Shoveldayoff has had so much experience on that front. <laughs> yes. But he has delivered, by and large, when these situations have arisen in Jets history. And, you know, I would respect Kent Hughes being patient in this situation. If you go to Shoveldayoff's history, though, you can take it all the way back to Evander Kane um, being unhappy in 2014, 2015, I believe it was, and the package that... Um, after a lot of consternation, Shoveldayoff put together that got back Tyler Myers. Uh, I think you all Armia was a part was of in that there, as yeah. well. Yeah, he was. Um, uh, Brendan Lemieux, the pick that became Jack Roslevic. You know, it was quite the haul for a player who didn't uh, immediately have a ton of success uh, in in Buffalo. I thought that the, it was also an intelligent trade because Buffalo was trying to tank at the time, and Kane was injured. I think, if I recall. So yeah. there's a lot. Um, and that took a long time to put together and, and Shovel Dayoff waited it out. Jacob Truba um, then, you know, had held out, I think it was the following season. And um, it became clear that as soon as he had the contractual ability to, uh, he would be on his way out, likely to the States. And we saw that with New York. Well, that trade eventually became Truba for Neil Pionk, who had two very good years for Winnipeg and a first round pick. Um and there are fans in Winnipeg, I'm split on this, but there are fans in Winnipeg who, who absolutely still love that deal, even though Pionk has struggled recently. Um, you look at the Patrick Laine situation that became Dubois in the first place as well. I, I think that, you know, it seemed as though Cheval Dayoff was able to wait and wait and he knew his players were unhappy in, in Laine and, and Rosvik, but he solved, at least temporarily, uh, a major problem going forward uh, that gives him the opportunity to have the problem he has today, I guess is the way I look at it. Yeah. Um, he's been painted into corners and he's come out of them pretty successfully. And the other thing, just I know that's a long answer already, but if you're Shovel Dayoff, 
sorry, if you're another team and you're looking at this situation and you're going, well, Dubois wanted out of two cities. Can we trust them? All that sort of stuff. All of this is predicated on a sign-in trade, at least as far as we know presently. Right. Uh, and I think that Dubois at about to turn 25, I think that might happen today, tomorrow, it's soon anyway, um, signed through the heart of his career to a city that he obviously wanted to go to because it was one of the two or three on his list. I think that that's an asset you can have confidence in and one that's worth paying for as well. Uh, so that's my view on it. So basically, we're all, you know, I think everyone's on the edge of their seat, uh, really around the entire league, because the Pierre-Luc Dubois potential trade kind of has captured the attention of of fans and media, no matter what fan base or or, or media circle they happen to, to be in. Uh, but with so many big names potentially on the trading block for Winnipeg. Um, I imagine that uh, this, this week kind of here on here on out, are you, are you basically kind of on call 24 seven, just waiting for, <laughs> for whatever bomb is going to, is going to drop. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it. I mean, I think the Dubois trade is getting most of the excitement league wide, but uh, there's also the very real possibility of the end of an era with Blake Wheeler coming down the pipe, uh, uh, right away. And I think that Winnipeg's been trying to move him. They might, may buy him out. That's a longtime captain, a thousand game player and almost a thousand point player for uh, most of that all happening in Winnipeg. So that is going to be uh, in just a massive development. Connor Hellebuck, I mean, my goodness, I mean, yeah. having informed the team that he's not going to sign long term, um, you're not panicking to make that trade. That's one you can be more patient about. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it looks like that's happening this summer. And how often do Vezina winners slash two-time Vezina finalists get traded? I, like you have to yeah. go back a lot of years. Um, so yeah, this is a this is a franchise-defining summer in Winnipeg, and uh, the cell phone is always on. That's <laughs> for sure. Well, we uh, we look forward to seeing where the chips fall uh, for all of it, and whether or not Montreal and Winnipeg actually close a deal or not. Uh, in in. In the midst of all of that, we know it's a very busy time of year. And so, uh, Marat, we really appreciate you taking some time out uh, to be with us today and, and to talk about your uh, expert insight on the Winnipeg Jets and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, if you are not following him on Twitter already, please be sure to follow Marat at WPG Marat. And uh, we look forward to having you back on the show again soon. Thank you so much, Amy. Thanks, Rick. Thanks. So happy that we got a chance to speak to Murat. Uh, wealth of information and particular, particularly to give us that Winnipeg Jets perspective. It's easy for Canadians fans to sit back and say, okay, let's unload the spare parts uh, for uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, there are other uh, suitors. There, there could be a bidding war for the services of Pierre-Luc Dubois. There could be reasons why the Canadians do not want to trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois. And uh, I was really happy to, to sit and, and uh, uh, pick the brain of uh, Murat Atesh, uh, a wealth of knowledge, uh, and, and kind of a measured um, uh, perspective, um, not, not uh, uh, too strong one way or the other. And uh, that, that was a, a great interview. Yeah, great interview to listen to. Uh, personally, coming out of this, I'm feeling like might not be the time for Montreal to make a move like this. 
And uh, based on what you heard, is this the profile for a $9 million player, do you think? That's a great question. And you heard in there uh, him, um, Murat, say that uh, for half of the season, for maybe 40 games, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois was a number one center. Um, for another 25 games or thereabouts, he was a th- he performed like a third line center. He 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 really kind of disappeared, and uh, it, you know he had that kind of of um, mis- uh, Hyde and Jekyll kind of um, approach to the the playoffs as well. You know we we've we've heard people in in our market talking about um, the fact that he was the star for the Jets in the play. He certainly wasn't. Uh, no. wasn't even close. wasn't uh, the best player at all. Game one in, in that series against Vegas, uh, he was one of the best players. He got a goal, got an assist, two points plus three. Tremendous. He was a minus two in game two. He had six minutes of penalties in game three. He was a minus three in, in game four and a minus two uh, in game five. And he was described as as awful um, that uh, both Pierre-Luc Dubois and Connor uh, Kyle Connor um, were watching uh, the play uh, and and uh, complicit in those first two goals that Vegas got and kind of eliminated um, uh, the Jets. Uh, he was uh, he was an absolute ghost in Game Five. Um, and if you need any more uh, uh, characterizations, we'll go back to Ken Weeb and Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet, and uh, we played this uh, on one of our previous podcasts. But let's remind our listeners what. Uh, the Sportsnet, the, the Sportsnet Winnipeg folks said about uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, in that Game Five. Today was not just a symptom; it was a part of the disease. Today, what we saw today from the Jets, kind of folding in this game. Yeah, they got lots of guys who tried hard. Ehlers, well, he didn't even tell us; he wouldn't be willing to tell us what the actual injury was. But he gutted it out. There's guys who gutted it out and tried their hardest. But there were some guys who were absolute no-shows in this game. And one of them is a player I have defended regularly on this program. Today was Pierre-Luc Dubois' worst game as a member of the Winnipeg Jets. And it's probably his last game. So yeah, he, had about, he had about four shifts tonight that, like, isolated, looked like that last shift that he had in Columbus. And we remember what that last shift in Columbus looked like. A player who didn't care, a player who was trying to, to force the hand of Columbus to move him. Um, Sean Reynolds saying there that there were four shifts, four Columbus shifts in there. Uh, that doesn't speak well. And and Ken Weeb has, has been a supporter and, and a promoter of uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and uh, couldn't uh, find the words to, to support him there. Um, so I, I think... You know, uh, we've heard this week uh, some of the Montreal reporters saying uh, there's no red flags about uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, only green flags. I think, I think you're not an analyst. You're you're a cheerleader. If you, th- of course, there are red flags with this player. Um, a- as you said, uh, 63 points, career high. Is that a nine million dollar player? A player who plays like a first line center for half the year and then disappears, becomes a ghost. Um, I, I don't know if if uh, Canadians fans uh, should be excited, and that um, n- is not even counting the, of what the Montreal Canadians uh, are going to have to give up if they acquire um, a Pierre-Luc Dubois at this point. Uh, and we heard that in that interview. So um, lots to think about there. I, I think. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with all of that. And uh, we'll let our listeners come up uh, with their own opinions on this situation. So to our listeners, we do ask, are you on the Dubois train or not? And that's our Canadians Connection question of the week. I think uh, that's a good time to take our final break here. And we'll hear from our sponsors. Uh, Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 249 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, you can check out the website, canadiansconnection.com. Also, feel free to text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line. 5853ROCKET is the number. That's 5853ROCKET. Now, this is going to be a crazy next couple weeks with the draft coming up and free agency coming up. And uh, Rick, I think I know the best way for all of our listeners to keep keep up to date with everything Montreal Canadiens. And that's to head over to THN.com slash Montreal. Uh, On there, you will find uh, Christie's weekly notepad. You will find some Habs headlines and you will find some feature articles along the way. And uh, Rick, this is also a relatively new home for us, isn't it? It is. Uh, THN, that is the Hockey News. Uh, We, uh, Rocket Sports, are now part of the Hockey News to provide exclusively uh, the coverage of the Montreal Canadiens for the Hockey News. Uh, So head to, as you said, THN.com slash Montreal, and you'll find all of your Canadiens coverage uh, in just one place, Uh, whether it's prospects coverage whether it's uh, the team coverage, whether, whether it's draft coverage, we've moved all of our coverage to THN.com slash Montreal. And uh, also make sure to head over to our YouTube channel just by searching at All Halves. And on there, you will have 
find the Habs Hockey Report Show. That's hosted by Amy Johnson every single week, and her most recent episode is entitled Three Reasons Why the Sean Monahan's Contract is a Slam Dunk. If you want to hear those three reasons, head over, tune into that episode, and uh, leave a like and a comment. Amy Johnson loves to reply to all the comments. And if you leave a good enough comment, uh, make sh- she'll make sure she reads it on air. So make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you never miss a single episode. And also, you can start to find our Canadians Connection podcast episodes up on YouTube. So also make sure you're leaving a like. And uh, if you want to let us know your thoughts, you can feel free to leave a comment as well. And uh, we'll certainly read through all of those. Um, Right now, we're at about 1,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel. So we appreciate all uh, our subscribers and uh, all all that helped us get to there. If you want to continue to help us out, if you like our content, please hit that subscribe button and you will never miss a single episode. And if you're just curious about putting a face to the name, you can go to the All Habs YouTube page, look for our podcast, and you'll find the the lovely face of Michael Spinella on on the (laughs) podcast. Yeah, if you want to see that, you can check it out there. (laughs) Also, make sure you subscribe to both of our Rocket Sports Radio podcasts on your favorite podcasting app. First and foremost, The Press Zone. You can find that at thepresszone.fm or wherever you get your podcasts. That's going to be your inside source for everything AHL, Habs Prospects, anything to do with that. Amy Johnson hosts that along with Patrick Williams. Sometimes Rick Stevens gets in there as well. And if you like Rick Stevens enough, make sure you're subscribing to this podcast as well, The Canadians Connection. You can find that at canadiansconnection.fm or on your favorite podcast app as well. Make sure you hit subscribe. Never miss a single episode. We know a lot of hockey content tends to dip out as the summer comes along. But we don't. We're here every single Saturday, and we do not go on vacation. We don't take a break or anything. We're here to make sure that you stay up to date with everything Montreal Canadiens. So now... It's a good time to get to our Canadians Connection question of the week. Are you in on the PLD train or not? Make sure you reach out and let us know. You just got to hear all sorts of different opinions in that second segment about Pierre-Luc Dubois. We know there's a lot of excitement about this player. Uh, Maybe we tampered that a little bit, or maybe you heard more than enough and you're still excited about it. So make sure you reach out and let us know. And uh, Rick, uh, just before we get to some of our uh, texts and emails, uh, I believe you have a little announcement to make. Oh, there's a bit of news. And and last week on the podcast, um, I, I talked about a story. You asked me to talk about the 2016 draft in uh, Buffalo. And uh, it was the famous incident where we were, again, talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, the Canadians, uh, Mark Bergevin, was doing his best uh, to uh, arrange uh, with um, uh, Yarmo Kekalaikin, the the, um, the the GM of Columbus Blue Blue Jackets, to take a pass on Pierre Luc Dubois so he could be available at with either the Edmonton pick or the Vancouver pick, uh, and the Canadians had arranged a trade including um, uh, PK Subban to to make that happen so they could bring aboard Pierre Luc Dubois way back then in in 2016 and. And we at, at that draft, we had a large group of Canadians fans uh, with us that we had brought um, by courtesy of the, the NHL arrangement. And one of those uh, uh, young fans was my nephew, uh, who was sitting there uh, with binoculars watching the antics uh, of uh, the, the two GMs uh, from Montreal and Columbus keep meeting in the floor. And he, and he was uh, uh, letting me know what was happening and um, this week, um, he's not so little anymore. 
um, he has uh, committed. Um, he's he's a, a, a star athlete, a very good baseball player, and he has committed uh, to a college in, in the southwest of the U.S., and he'll be attending there and playing baseball and doing quite well in the fall. So pretty proud uncle, um, and uh, at least uh, there's one athlete in the family, and we wish him well <laughs> in the fall. Yeah, big congratulations uh, to you and the whole family on that one. Uh, it's going to be pretty exciting to follow his career. But, uh, throughout uh, the weeks uh, in between our podcasts, we get plenty of texts, tweets, emails, comments uh, sent towards us. Uh, lots of questions, lots of uh, interesting thoughts uh, sent our way as well. And this week, uh, we had a really interesting one uh, come in from Shane in Napanee. Uh, Rick, what did Shane have to say? Yeah, Shane said, um, quote, uh, if the Habs pick Michkov, I'll nominate Hughes for an Oscar myself. Uh, I don't think he's bluffing. If the choice is down to next-tier players like uh, uh, Leonard, Dvorsky, Reinbacker, I'd take Benson. Uh, Good show, guys. So, uh, first of all, uh, you're more likely, um, most likely, to get your comment on the air if you mention your first name and where you're from, your location, um, and he said, good show, guys. So, you know, that, that helps as well. Appreciate um, the compliment. Absolutely. Um, I, I should say that um, at the beginning of this season, uh, way back in the fall, um, and we talked about our hopes for the, the Montreal Canadiens, um, I was hoping that they'd be in a position uh, to, to get a top five drop, draft pick. Um, they achieved that. And at that time, I was hoping that they'd be in position to take a Zach Benson. Um, now, now things happen through the season, um, but Zach Benson would would certainly be um, a, a good pick to have. We know that uh, you know a number of of ranking lists have Zach Benson as their their number one or as their number five pick. Uh, Dauber has Benson. Um, Russ Cohen, Sportsology has Benson. Um, so I, I think this is from Shane. I think uh, Benson would be a good pick. Would I still want Benson? Depends who's there. Um, but out of the group that that next tier that Shane's talking about, um, he's 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 looking at Zach Benson and, and I think it's a, a reasonable pick. Yeah, good pick, and uh, appreciate the message there, Shane. Uh, we uh, appreciate hearing from all of our listeners, and uh, like you said, Rick, if uh, you want a better chance of having your message read on the air, make sure you inc- include your first name and where you're from. That way we know who we're talking to. So busy week coming up. Uh, right now it is the St. John's long weekend in uh, Quebec, so we get a couple days to rest. But then, uh, Rick, you and I are going to have to start scrambling as soon as we uh, <laughs> hit end on this podcast. On Monday, it's the NHL Awards. Uh, on Wednesday and Thursday, it's the NHL Draft. And then next Saturday, it's a free agency day, also Canada Day. So I think that being said, it's a good time for us to wrap up the, the show. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, make sure to hit that subscribe button in the player or on your favorite podcasting app and uh, share on social media if you like what you heard. Enjoy the week, and we'll be back here next Saturday, July the 1st on Canada Day. And do note, uh, the episode might come out a little bit later in the day than usual due to free agency. We don't want to miss out on too much news and uh, make sure that uh, we keep you up to date on everything that went down. So thank you all for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.